Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Hello, welcome to the podcast. This is Father Michael O'Loughlin and the sleepy... Mm, hello. Father Nathan Goble. I'm back. We took a break between podcasts and you got tired all of a sudden, huh? That clam chowder finally settled in. Okay. I was starving before <laughs> the last one. Well, this will be my topic, so you can just ignore me if you want. That's what I usually did with it'll, Father it'll John. Be, <laughs> just a, kidding. Uh, a monologue podcast. That'd be horrible. Can you imagine? Monologue podcast? Yeah, that's, We've done them before. People <laughs> people like our podcast because of the back and forth. I know, but sometimes somebody gets on a roll and you're you're really hard it's really hard to just be yeah. like you know, so I like got my hand raised, you know. I have a thought. I have a thought. Please. Let me talk. Let me talk. Take a breather. <laughs> tap out. Yeah. It's like Hulk Hogan, like, in the ring, and he won't, like, you know, tap in Macho Man Randy Savage. I'm like, come on, dude. Let me do my thing. Because there are some podcasts where, like, the guys, like, um, what's it called? Oh, shout out to them if I could remember the name. Anyway, there's two guys in the, uh, they used to be here from, or one of them at least was from Denver. Um, it'll come to me. The uh, They podcast together f- over the phone. So it's like they do a podcast, but they're in different states. And it's like I can – if I'm monologuing and I look – I can like see in your eyes that you have something to say. And like they can't do that. Mm -hmm. Like we don't raise our hand. But I I can look at you if you're looking at me like, dude, let me talk. Let me talk. Let me talk. Slow down. Sorry. I got something funny or deep to say. (laughs) Raise your hand. The Cub Scout salute. All right. Oh, no. That's a – yeah, that's not the episode. I'm too old school. That's a... Mockingjay. Mockingjay. I haven't seen that yet. Either one. I haven't seen either one. Oh, Got to see that. No, thanks. I'll see it. No, I saw the first two and I was kind of dragged in. This is my analogy. The first ones, like, for Hunger Games, were like hot and fresh McDonald's fries. Hot so good. Like, you're just like, it's straight out of the drive-thru. Like, they're just melting in your mouth. Okay. Nothing can be better. Okay. But then you, you like, get distracted and you, like, forgot about your fries or whatever else. And you go back to them after, you know, like, they get cold. <laughs> and it's like, well, I should I should finish all the food on my plate. Tepid limb French fries. Exactly. It's so bad. <laughs> and the last one is so bad. Oh. Well, now I don't look forward to it. I saw it, with, I saw it with Father John. Uh, and Father Mike in Rome, okay. and uh, it was just, I don't know, it was forced. Yeah. I don't know. I won't spend any money on it then. I kind of felt that way about M. Night Shyamalan. Like, The Sixth Sense, like, blew my mind, that movie. And then, what was it, like, Unbreakable? I didn't like Unbreakable. Yeah. But it was, but I, there was an article, I didn't read the whole thing, but I read the, the beginning of it that was kind of reflecting on how Unbreakable was actually a great superhero movie. Because it was all about the vulnerability of superheroes, which I think Spider-Man, Superman recently has kind of been the same thing. Mm-hmm. But th- but there's a certain vulnerability about about Unbreakable that I just didn't get from the movie because I was like I was so blown away by the Sixth Sense, like one of my, still one of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah, that that it just it it didn't blow my mind as much, so I was kind of like felt let down. But I don't I don't know what's I'll have called. to watch it again. I think it's called Five Thirty Eight. There's like a uh, it's like connected with ESPN. They do like uh, cultural, political, um, you know articles and one of them is the rapid decline of m night Shyamalan. Hmm. it's very interesting and actually the most recent movie that he made which everybody's been like his movies have been getting worse and worse and worse yeah like this movie has surprised a lot of people but still didn't see it (gasps) the loon agrees with you do a podcast do a movie on the loon m night Shyamalan. (laughs) that would be incredibly boring but only funny to listeners he's an ex-cop they killed his partner. This time, 
It's personal. The loon. Father Brian, have you heard Father Brian do that? No. Father Brian Larkin, he has like three jokes that he says all the time, and they get me every time. <laughs> when he does that voice, I just die. Does he do it well? You did it well. Yeah. I was the, impressed. Oh, Brian, Father Brian, his is like spot on. Nice. Anyways. I've never tried to practice. Okay, to the topic. Um, so... Uh, we're now weeks into the year for Mercy, the Jubilee for Mercy, and I thought it'd be good to do something on Mercy, because we Byzantines, we say Mercy a lot. We ask for Mercy a lot. We love Mercy. So, uh, when I first heard the year for Mercy, it was like, what, when someone asks what the Jubilee for Mercy is, or why we're celebrating it, of course, the church has come up with a bunch of explanations, but... Um, I think people tend to think that it's it's kind of a – some people tend to think that it's kind of a um, – God's going to have more mercy this year. Mm-hmm. And, of course, that's not the case. God Gimmicky. is Exactly. God is perfectly merciful all the time. He's perfectly just all the time. That's in our human language. That's somewhat of a paradox, justice and mercy, but within God it works perfectly. And we are called to be perfectly just and perfectly merciful as well. So this is not a year about God being more merciful. Um, obviously, we need to define what mercy means, but God is always just and he is always merciful, and those things are beautiful. Those things are good. We, we cannot see that justice is not a good thing. So oftentimes, I think if we're, because these things are, you know, kind of, often pitted, pitted against each other, justice and mercy, whereas, of course, they're, they're, they're not. Um, they're both beautiful attributes of God that we can participate in as best we can. Um, so if you think about it, we often are, in, a, in our human way, asking for mercy for ourselves and asking for justice for the other. Mm. Like if someone hurts me, I say, God, you are all just, like, be just with them. Like, like yes. they, they've hurt me. It's their fault. You know, would do whatever you do to those who are wrong. And then I say myself, I do something wrong. I'm like, oh man, Lord mercy, please. Like, I, I don't, I don't want what I deserve from this. I'm acting in a way that, that I should be receiving this or that. And I don't want to be doing that. So bloat, Lord, please have mercy. So there's a, a human tendency to want mercy for ourselves and justice for the other justice for the one who hurt me. Um, I think it'd be interesting. I can do this myself to, since justice and mercy are both good things, we should desire justice and mercy for ourselves and justice and mercy for the other. This can be a year of kind of graced. God has given us the gift of saying, I'm going to, I'm going to flip those. So, and, and this is all over the scriptures and all over Christian tradition. I'm going to flip those so that I am very explicitly and intently asking for justice for myself. It's counterintuitive. But it is, it's true. If justice is of God and justice is beautiful, I should be asking for justice for myself and I should be asking for mercy for the other. So if someone hurts me, I say, God, do what you do to them, right? So I'm not going to define justice as being a negative thing as far as saying, Lord, then there was make them suffer for the, the consequences of their own actions. And when I when I'm doing something wrong, I say, Lord, don't let me suffer the consequences of my actions. That's what we tend to do as self-selfish human beings. But if we can literally spend this grace time with those flipped, they're both good, they're both beautiful, they're both of God. So I say, um, Lord, when, when I'm hurt by somebody, Lord, have mercy on them. And then if I say, well, I've done something wrong, Lord, give me justice. Now, I think we're going to have to make sure that we understand what those things are correctly in order to call upon that. I'm not... I'm not saying, Lord, make me suffer the consequences of my actions, but I'm saying, do what you do. So when I hear year for mercy, 
we in the Byzantine Church and our Divine Liturgy of St. John Chrysostom and Basil, we, we say, Lord, have mercy ad nauseum. I mean, so many times. I always joke about if 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 we had a drinking song, <laughs> this is so, like a drinking game with the Divine Liturgy, that's so horrible. But it, it, that's not, I'm not meaning to be sacrilegious. I'm making a point. If it's, we have a drinking, a drinking game with the Divine Liturgy and we took a shot every time the word mercy came up, we'd be sloshed 10 minutes in. Yeah. I mean, it, it, that's the way. So we, we ask for mercy a lot in the Divine Liturgy. And the reason for that is because the word mercy and Archbishop Raya, the Melkite Archbishop, was so eloquent about this. But he talked about mercy as being this is what God does. Like, like if I if I say, Lord, have mercy on me, I'm just saying, Lord, I'm not going to try to define what you do. So I'm going to call it mercy. But when I say the word mercy, I just mean do what you do. I don't want to limit your actions in my life. I don't want to limit what you do. So it's like saying, love me. I, I've mentioned this a little bit on a podcast before. So when I say, Lord, have mercy, it's saying, Lord, do what you do. So, so mercy, Lord, you know, do mercy to me, <laughs> whatever it might be. This is this is what God does. So, um, when I am crying out for mercy, I'm just crying out for God to be God. God, do your thing. Um, so, if, if I am kind of forcing myself to understand the true definition of these two words, and I say I'm going to this year, I'm going to pray for justice myself and mercy for the other. Um, there are obviously a lot of scriptural and and within Christian tradition, examples of, of how this has already been done and how, and how it works well. Um, so we cannot pull off what God does in his perfect mercy and perfect justice. We're not God. So so we, we kind of have to alternate the two. Just like we have fasting season and feasting seasons, those two should go together. Fasting is a good thing because we are not in heaven yet. We, we are... We are living in a time of of lack, and that's what a fasting is. But we also had the fulfillment of God's mercy on us, so therefore when we feast, we feast. So, But our body can't really – our humanity can't understand those two things at the same time, so we break them up in time and space to say hmm. we have fasting seasons and feasting seasons where we really should not have seasons. We should have the perfection of both at all times, but we can't handle that yet. We'll be able to do that in heaven, of course, but we can't handle that yet. So because we can't, we have – Seasons of mercy, in a sense, if you want to say that, seasons of mercy and seasons of justice. So if we can flip it like that to make to kind of go out of ourselves and force ourselves to appreciate justice and to offer mercy, which we usually do the opposite. So you, we see, we see in this in this jubilee. Uh, again, I'll, I'll get to what exactly a jubilee is in a moment, but we we see Christ, of course, when he when Christ on the cross says, "Father, forgive them." St. Stephen in the book of Acts says the exact same thing. Father, forgive them. There, there are those who are hurting that they do not know what they do. There are those who are hurting them. And instead of crying out for justice, like you'll get yours, which is exactly what I'd say from the cross if I was Jesus yeah. or if I was St. Stephen, right? You'll get yours. It, that, that, that's not. They say, Father, forgive them. They're, they're crying out, have mercy on the one who is hurting me. This is this is supernatural and it is completely counterintuitive in our humanity, but it's something that the saints were able to do. And, you know, if only I were able to, in the, in the moment of my hurt, to cry out, if I'm being hurt by somebody in the moment, to cry out and say, Lord, have mercy on them, you know. And then in the moment of my self-deprecation, in the moment of my, my anger with myself, to say, Lord, justice. Like, I did something wrong and I want justice. I, th- I think that our ability to, to ask for those things would really allow us to see the beauty of both of those concepts, of both of those those attributes of God to see them in a new light that would actually teach us experientially in our experience what those things are. So we have those moments 
with Jesus and St. Stephen where they ask for mercy for the other in the moment of their hurt. Um, so a jubilee year. A jubilee year comes from, of course, the Old Testament. Um, it, it was a, a concept in Leviticus in, in 25, if you want to read it, Leviticus chapter 25, where every 50th year was a time uh, where, where as, as Leviticus says, every man returns to his possession. So, in other words, God gave his chosen people, he gave the Hebrews the possession of the land. And so so the Jubilee year being every 50 years was because, of course, the Sabbath rest was the seventh day, right? So you have you have seven days, of six days of creation, seventh day was the Sabbath rest. So a Jubilee year was seven times seven, 49. It was the year after seven times seven. So every 50th year, all debts were forgiven, all debts. And so you you had the return of the possession. In other words, if God gives me a piece of land like he does with the Hebrew people, his chosen people, he gives them a piece of land. Now, I might fall out of I, I might fall into debt for something. Like I I tried to do some I tried to build a home or buy a car, you know, to use a modern analogy. I tried to do these things and and I gave as collateral or I gave to you part of the land that God gave me as uh as a collateral for the debt. Now, what the year for Jubilee is, is all those debts are, are automatically forgiven. They are not repaid. So I get back the possession that God gave me, even though I don't deserve it. I deserve to have given it to you as collateral because I was not able to pay back my debts. So the year of Jubilee, it all comes back. Now, the reality of this, of course, is if you would, you would actually buy a car and a house in the 49th year. Yeah. <laughs> That's pra- what I do. Practically, yeah, exactly. I mean, that, that's kind of that's kind of the way that you'd abuse it, All right? That's what I would do too. You know, we're, we're in, in our weakness. But but the the reality of this is that is that, in other words, if if I had if I needed to take out a loan from you, you had the money I didn't, and I gave something as collateral. Now all of a sudden you had to forgive me. The year of jubilee is wonderful for me. It's great for me. It is not wonderful for you. Sure. Literally, you had to sacrifice. For my jubilee to be proper, yes. for my jubilee to be joyful and complete, this you had to sacrifice. I was a pure receiver, but you were a giver. So we can theologize of this all we want, but about a God forgiving us our debts. But when we are living a jubilee, or if we're doing it correctly according to the Levitical pronouncements, then literally someone is suffering, someone is sacrificing. So when i when i offer when i pray for mercy for the other when they've hurt me it is a sacrifice i i, I should not say oh i am so joyful i'm offering them mercy no it is hard to do that it is a sacrifice to do that yeah. so there there is a jubilee attitude where the one who even the human being in their mercy in the divine liturgy we pray for for those who have had mercy on us because mercy is an attribute of god so those who have acted godlike towards us and had mercy on us we pray for them because there was a real sacrifice they sacrificed in order for us to experience the jubilee of god in order for us to experience the goodness and the joy of god many times almost all the time other human beings do have to sacrifice for us so mm. go ahead well there's a there's a day in the calendar that is probably the least favorite day of every single person that works for 7-Eleven. Do you know what day that is? Uh, 7-Eleven. 7-Eleven. Do you know why? I don't know what month that is. You get free Slurpees. Ah. Free Slurpees on 7-Eleven. And there's a line out the door. There's a line out the door. Nobody's buying anything. And the floor is so oh. sticky. People are upset because there's no more like of the regular. And so all that's left is like sugar-free tangerine. Oh. You know, and I looked at the lady's face 
at Seven uh, Eleven, <laughs> and it was seriously. She was just like, "This is the longest day of the year." Yes, you know. And in order for me to enjoy it, in order for me to enjoy it, she has to suffer. Right. You know. Right. But then on the other days when I go in there, like, do I expect everything to be you know like jubilee just like last time? Yeah. No. You got to pay for your Slurpee. You can't like freaking like slurp like get your Slurpee all over the counter and then just you know say oh well somebody else is going to clean that up. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like, um, so what exactly are you proposing for us to do in the year of mercy so that? So that others may live, you know, so that others right. may have enjoyment, right. so that others can experience mercy. Yeah. I think that though, well, I'm, I'm going to mention a couple of tangible things at the end, oh, okay. like this is what people can actually do. But I, I but remind me if I don't. Uh, that's just my analogy. If I don't do it adequately enough, uh, that's an awesome analogy, by the way. But uh, if, if I don't do it adequately enough, let, let remind me at the end. Um, so th- there are scriptural examples of desiring mercy for the one who offends Jesus does it. St. Stephen does it. I'm sure others do it as well. I just can't think of them right now. So that happens. Um, the it, it reflects the Jubilee year, which is this is a this is a I forget what the word is, but this is a, a um, extraordinary Jubilee year. So this is not one of the 50 years that the church right. celebrates. Um, so and I'm going to get to what the doors because that that's of course a big part of the Jubilee is, uh, Jubilee year as well. And Pope Francis has kind of expanded the use of of the Jubilee door. Um, which I think is beautiful when I, when I actually looked it up and see, yeah. saw what it was. Um, so the other thing, um, if we're praying for mercy for the others, praying for justice for ourselves. There's also scriptural examples of this and also in the tradition of the church. Dangerous. Uh, yes. And, and hard. I mean, who does that? <laughs> really? That's why I'm saying we have to force ourselves to do it. Yeah. Um, but if, if you look at like Psalm 119 or if you're reading the Septuagint, Psalm 118, um, that there's the line, uh, we meditate upon your commandments day and night. So there, there's this sense of, of what is your law, Lord? Like, what are you asking me of? What, what is you? The law was, if in the Old Testament was, it was very clear. If you, if you're obeying the law, if you're washing your hands at the right times and wearing the right materials and not eating the right things, you're, you're being obedient to the law. And there, there was a justice there. I'm living justly if I'm being obedient to the law. Um, there's also in Psalm 141 or 140, if you're reading the Septuagint, if a just man strikes or approves me, it is kindness. Mm. So, like, again, that's kind of intuitive. It's supernatural to say, I want to be corrected by a just man. I want to be corrected by someone who knows more than me, who is wiser than me, who is better at this than me. I want that correction. Like, it's, it's, it's again, counterintuitive. It's hard. In, in our sinful, we don't. We want to think that we're the best. But if I, if I find, if I surround myself with people that can identify my weaknesses and can identify my sins and point them out, that, that's, what, that's what Psalm 141 is saying. It's saying, find those people, find the just men, the just people, and have them strike or reprove you. That's a, kind of a strong way of saying it, but it's yeah. in the Psalm. Have them. So when, when I'm crying out for justice for myself, I'm saying, I have messed up. And I understand that justice might be telling a friend that I do not want to tell because I know he's going to have criticism, ideally constructive criticism, and that's what I need to become a better person. So if I really do mess up, and I, I'm doing that with God, I'm considering God the just man. Like I'm saying, Lord, you you are 
you are obviously the most just man. So if I'm asking you to to reprove me, to correct me, I know it's for my own good. I know you're not going to do anything that's not for my own good. But when I'm crying out for justice, that's exactly what I'm doing. And so one tangible example of this is is Saint Ephraim the Syrian, wonderful saint. He the the poetry he wrote, the prayers he wrote in the fourth century are are, are still amazing. But the prayer of Saint Ephraim that we use in the Byzantine uh, Church. Um, is said during fasting seasons, especially in the great fast. I'm going to read that real quick. Um, and we do we do a prostration after every verse because a prostration is a a tangible use of the body in order to show penance. So we say this prayer during times of penance, namely during fasting seasons, which we're in now with Philip's fast preparation for Christmas. <laughs> the Easterns are. <clears throat> yeah, <laughs> the Easterns are. But but uh, this podcast is coming out after Christmas, so don't do this. But um, you can use it again during Lent, which is yeah. coming up. Um, so here's the prayer. Lord and Master of my life, Spare me from the spirit of indifference, despair, lust for power, and idle chatter. You do a prostration. Instead, bestow on me, your servant, the spirit of integrity, humility, patience, and love. Do a prostration. Yes, O Lord and King, let me see my own sins and not judge my brothers and sisters, for you are blessed forever and ever. Amen. Do a prostration. So there's that line, let me see my own sins. Who says that? I like that that that's absurd to say like show me what I'm doing wrong right because that that would just seemingly bring me down right that that that's depressing it can lead to despair I don't want to think about my sins but in this prayer during these fasting seasons again which will go away the fasting season culminates and it is concluded with the feast but and, and so the fasting season goes away but there's a time of where I'm saying during the fasting seasons let me see my own sins in other words I'm I'm asking for justice. I don't want to be sinning, hurting myself, hurting others, and not know about them. I want them to be fixed. So this year for mercy, I think with all the practical things we can do, we can pray this prayer more often, not only during fasting seasons, but Lord, let me sin my own sins. And then we kind of, you know, hold our hands up and kind of wince, you know, <laughs> what are you about to show me, Lord? Right. Um, but but there's a beauty in that where I, I pray Psalm 119, may I meditate upon your commandments day and night. I say Psalm 141. If a just man strikes or reproves me at his kindness, I say the prayer of St. Ephraim, the one I just mentioned, let me see my own sins. That, that there's, there's a trust that justice is a good thing. We trust that mercy is a good thing for the other. We trust that justice is a good thing for ourselves. And we're kind of forcing ourselves in this year and in this season to learn about the goodness of God and the goodness of what mercy and justice are when they're shared with everybody and the trust that in this blessed year that we're now in, that God's going to educate us and bring us to holiness through that meditation. I don't know. Over here, I'm thinking about, there was a time when I was playing, uh, do you ever play Bloody Knuckles with a quarter? Yes. With a quarter? Where like you had to spend a quarter oh, or like a okay. nickel or, I mean, I played it with a half dollar okay. and you have to keep it, keep it moving. You know what I'm talking about? Okay, yes. And then when you lose, you have to put your knuckle on the table, like down. Okay. And then somebody else like slings a slings a coin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so if you get a knuckle like, you know, that's bleeding or whatever, you lose, whatever. We would do that where we just we literally just smack each other's knuckles and take turns doing it. it. That's different. And whoever bled first. Oh, I hate that game. (laughs) I got little surgeon hands, so it doesn't really matter. (laughs) But there was one time I was playing and I was doing really good because I was playing against somebody that didn't really know the game. I was decimating them. And then uh, this guy, Corey, um, Corey Walton, this dude was like freaking nails, like just 
the strongest, toughest, baddest kid. Okay. And thankfully, he thought I was funny. So, like, we were cool. And Corey was like, hey, dude, I'll play with you. And I was like, all right, you know, let's play, dude. Let's play. And I lost. Mm. And every single time that I had to put my knuckle down, it was just like, oh, gosh, it's coming. Yeah. You know? And he would just, like, freaking roar it right into mine. <laughs> And uh, it wasn't it wasn't long, you know, before it was like I don't think I can play anymore. Um, but that's the way I feel like like if God were to actually show me all of my faults, you yeah. know, yeah. Um, I'm I'm so good at looking at the faults of others. Yeah. I used to think it was a virtue. I used to be like <laughs> I am so good at seeing how bad people are, you know. And it's like maybe they don't see it, but I see it. And I used to brag about it. And then, like, it was my spiritual director in college that was like, that's not a virtue. And it's like, it's like a virtue would be if you knew your own faults. And I was right. like, whatever. Um, so then if, if I'm actually going to allow God to, like, see, to, to show me my faults, yeah. um, man, like, I would, I think I would have a deeper appreciation of mercy because according to justice, I should be condemned. Exactly. I should be That's I should be point. like totally thrown down yeah. and like freaking silver dollar like right into my knuckle. Yeah. Um and then there's a there's a verse and I every single time it comes up in the breviary, I'm like, oh I love it. Which is from hidden faults equip me, from presumption restrain your servant. Hmm. And it's like hidden faults, oh I mean I think I got a pretty good idea. But then I whenever I like somebody points out like do you know you do this it's like no you know and then I just feel horrible cuz like how many people were railroaded because I did this yeah. thing yeah you know and uh like somebody once said I I I still do this I kind of like it which <laughs> I mean everybody loves their sin so um when somebody else is like just droning on I'll just start walking away I'll just start walking away and be like yeah 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 yeah, yeah okay Okay, I gotta go. See ya. You know, and then one guy in seminary. It was actually Father Jason Wunsch, who I love. Uh, he called me on it, and I was like, "Shoot, dude! Like, I do that, and I do that to him, and I do that with other people, and then, and then it's really hard because it's like I don't have an out. I'm vulnerable. Yeah. Like, I can't use sin or like the ignorance of sin to say, "Oh, I don't realize that I'm doing this. Sorry, you know." Yeah. And then, so, from hidden faults, equip me from presumption, restrain your servant. Like, when a friend who really does care for you, like, shows you your faults, it can be really painful. And and according to our faults, we should be condemned. So, in justice, they give us what is our due, but the mercy is, um, but we can do something about it, you know? Like, we're not, we're not, you know... Uh, determined beings. We can actually make changes. And that's the beauty of this is that you cannot... Thanks, Father Jason. (laughs) Thanks a lot. You cannot have one without the other. Like that, that's the beauty of of God and the beauty that even though we separate the two out in our minds because we're human and weak, but... God, you cannot have justice without mercy. So when we call when we call upon justice, we we are at the same time without saying it, we're calling upon mercy. And as, as we ask to receive justice, we are also at the same time receiving mercy. If we call for mercy, call upon mercy for somebody else, we're at the same time asking for justice. Some somehow that I am incredibly ineloquent about 
those things work together. And and we're we're in a sense humbling ourselves, like like with with Peter and Andrew in in the Gospel of John, where where you know Andrew approaches Peter and says, "Hey, I found the one that the prophets talk about." And 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 Peter says, "What?" And he goes, "Just come and see." Like, like it's very much a I'm inviting the attributes of God into my life without expecting to understand what exactly those are. Like, Lord, I'm calling upon justice and mercy. What exactly those things are, I don't know, but I know they're good. So I'm going to call upon them and say, Lord, be good to me. Like, like be good to other people. And and there is a, a, a stepping back and a submission. I'm saying, Lord, now you just take over, like your your tag team analogy, right? I'm, I'm tagging out, Lord. Like, I'm tagging out. You, you take over from here. And I've done what I think you want me to do, and now run with it. Like, do what you do. And when the business leaders say, Lord, have mercy. Like, I'm tagging out. I'm done. I can't do this well. Lord, have mercy. And there, there's examples of in the scriptures of asking for mercy for the other and also justice for myself, which because we're human and we cannot put those two things together perfectly, that, that, why not switch those up for the year and see how see how we grow because we're calling upon good things throughout the year. Mm-hmm. Um, so Not just for ourselves, but for others. Exactly. And then we, we always need to do that because, of course, our, our relationship with Christ is a relationship where it's it's me and him in the in that intimacy that is, is very personal. And also it's me and the rest of the body of Christ in relation to him. So that, that that's a good way of saying, you know, again, what are the two greatest commandments? Love God and love your neighbor. We're, we're doing both those things in these actions. So. Quick explanation of, and many of you already know this, but for those that don't, um, why the Pope opened the doors of St. Peter's, the Jubilee doors, and why people walk through those. Um, I used to think that these doors, and actually Pope Francis is asked, as given the ability for every bishop throughout the world to have Jubilee doors in his diocese, which yeah. I think is beautiful. So you, the, the whole point is a pilgrimage. You're, you're, you're going out of your way during a, a graced year, a jubilee year, you're going out of your years to have a pilgrimage, to have a journey that ends by walking through doors. We, we human beings kind of need a tangible proof that we did the pilgrimage. Like we go somewhere, like when when, when Musset and I were in, in Israel, we, the, I hope my mom isn't listening, but we actually went to go look to get tattoos, like, like in Israel of the Jerusalem cross. We just like, we needed some sort of proof that we've exactly. made this pilgrimage to Israel. And so we couldn't find anybody who was open because we only looked one night. But um, anyway, it, it was, we, we did it as like a tangible proof. The doors are like, I can pilgrimage to Rome. And then as soon as I walk through those doors, like the open doors of God's mercy, of course, it's a sacramental. It's kind of an obvious way. Then I know, okay, I've now come to the conclusion of this pilgrimage. But I looked it up, and, and the, the history of the doors is – is um, let me find my notes. All right, so um, it was originally uh, at the Church of uh, John Lateran. It was not at St. Peter's. That St. Peter's is actually more a recent thing. Um, but people would – they would actually have political – and religious sanctuary, like, you know, a church's sanctuary, right. you, they'd have political and religious sanctuary. Like, so they would run through the open doors of the right. church that were to remain open all the time. They would do that to escape punishment. So even from the church, in other words, if I've done something to the church and I run through those doors, the church cannot ask for justice. I now have sanctuary from punishment, yep. undeserved sanctuary. So the the, the open doors that was so abused that that they went back to the scriptural analogy of only having them open every 50 years because i mean people are committing horrible crimes and just running into the church and they're off automatically having it forgiven um so we are kind of forgetting justice so the, this became then now a, a an open door of sanctuary um and those doors are walled up 
literally, literally there's, there's bricks and mortar put over the door right. and then they're opened up for the Jubilee year. I mean, you can find all this online if you want to. It's beautiful. But, but the, the, the doors that, that the Pope uh, ritualistically opens and practically does open for the people to walk through at the end of a pilgrimage, when you walk through those doors, you're supposed to see it as undeserved sanctuary. God's mercy is undeserved and he offers it to us we are we are saturated by his mercy and his love and in an absolutely undeserved way and we stand in awe of what that is and so the doors i love that idea i love the idea of having you walk the doors it's just so tangible so sensory um and and that it's obviously it's it's an ancient tradition as well mm. um so real quick what to do practically um if you go to the usccb website they actually have a lot of things practically but they're based around the corporal and the spiritual works of mercy um so especially the the corporal works of mercy are the uh based on matthew 25 and the sheep and the goats you know the hungry the thirsty the strangers the naked the ill the imprisoned you know to to have to be god's hands and his his voice of mercy with those who are suffering and those are the main ways that jesus in matthew 25 talked about those who are suffering you're hungry you're thirsty you're a stranger you're naked you're ill imprisoned i think then the church adds bury the dead as one of the corporal works of mercy that, that jesus doesn't mention but obviously that's a good thing too um, spiritual works of mercy, you can find them there as well. I'm not going to go through the details of what they are, but um, be- beautiful ways that you can practically, you know, if, if you're like this year, go through the corporal works of mercy, feed the hungry, go go literally, just go feed the hungry, go to homeless ministry, give drink to the thirsty. That's kind of another way, you know, you can all do about the homeless. Strangers was a way of saying that the people that were traveling, they're obviously strangers because you feel very comfortable in your own home. But if you're a stranger in a foreign land, you're really not comfortable at all. You don't know the traditions of the people. You're more vulnerable because you, you can't protect yourself. So those who are more vulnerable, which, of course, could be the homeless, um, but there are also other ways of, I mean, right now, refugees, immigrants, you know, way, ways of ways of helping the stranger, allowing the stranger to feel more at home through my generosity. Um and uh, so, again, you go to the USCCB website to find the practical things. Um, I mention when, when you when you're feeling like you've 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 done something wrong, ask for justice and then wait to see what that looks like. God will give you justice and it'll be beautiful. Like it'll be helpful towards holiness. And if you get hurt by somebody, pray for mercy for them. Whether you use the words of our Lord, Father, forgive them. You don't know what they do, or just when you're being hurt, just say in your head like. Lord, have mercy on them. Like, like it, it, it's it's a it's something that's hard, but it is so appropriate. And then justice and mercy always come together, and and we are becoming holier by the actions of asking for mercy for the other and justice for ourselves. There you go. So I I also wanted there's a prayer for the jubilee year. I want to say at the end, unless you have something overly wise to say. No, I was just thinking about the Hunchback of Notre Dame, the <laughs> um, Disney version. Yeah, she like she commits a crime and then she's like running towards the doors and she sells yells sanctuary but the doors are locked uh, and then the guy comes and like hits her with his horse and kills her and then the priest comes out and he's like, "Look what you've done! You've spilled innocent blood on the bare steps of Notre Dame." Who is the monster and who is the man? Amen. Sing the bells, bells, bells. Have you ever seen that? I, oh, I my mom it. and I love that movie. I think I saw it once when I was an already an adult. It's like Beauty and the Beast is nice when you want to feel good. Right. Hunchback of Notre Dame is like good when you want to feel bad. Hmm. And uh, and then uh, Deacon Mason Fraley actually read the book 
The Hunchback, okay. and he's like, it's nothing like the Disney movie, which I'm like... <laughs> That's like, usually I, the case. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know how to feel worse after watching that movie, but I'm I'm willing to do it. Yeah. So... Well, let's do shout-outs, and, uh, and then I'll say the prayer at the, at the very end Shout of the podcast. Shout-outs! So we are... We apologize. We're really behind. There's so many of you that want shout-outs, so I'm going to try to read some of them as fast as I can. I Micro Machines. Think big like your I did not read through these ahead of time, so I'm going to mispronounce names. I'm going to say words wrong. Just I'm going to fake it. Typical Olo. All right. Uh, I'm probably doing these out of order, too. So those of you that sent in like a shout out yesterday are probably going to go first, and I'll do this differently next time. Anyway. All right. Emails uh, to my good friend Patricia from Vancouver, Canada, celebrating her birthday on December 19th, and a huge fan from Kara Connaughton. Nice. Connaughton. <laughs> Kanagachtin Kanan, I think it is. All right. Uh, from Janie Lopez to my fiance Saul Godina, we vowed to each other to buy, not buy expensive gifts this year for Christmas. So I would like to humbly ask for a shout out for him. Uh, I like that. <laughs> we're, we're, we're your Christmas present. He's an amazing man that I can't <laughs> wait to marry. <laughs> I like it. Saul. So Stop laughing. <laughs> you have an ever growing crew of listeners. I got you the listeners. shout out. <laughs> You have an ever-growing crew of listeners in Tepenish, Washington. Amen. Plus, you even switched us Mexicans from tequila to bourbon. Wow. That's huge. It's rare. We have a couple Mexican listeners, and we switched them to bourbon from tequila. All right. To Cecilia Nguyen and all missionaries with Christ in the City. Oh, shout yeah. out. I'm personal shout out to them, too. They're amazing people. Uh, missionaries with Christ in the City, Denver. They are do amazing work serving the poor. You didn't have to tell us that. Uh, from K Browning at Huskers <laughs> at Huskers.unl. <laughs> you didn't have to tell don't, us Don't that, send her okay. an email. Hey, I was trying to see who this is from. <laughs> she didn't include the name. Oh, she's going to get even though she uh, Okay. To Travis Schilling, who just moved to Denver to work with Focus. Another shout out to Focus. He'll come by sometime to challenge Father Nathan to an arm wrestling contest and lose. That's my input. Seriously? And lose. lose. You've seen my guns? <laughs> and a shout out to everyone at St. Peter's Catholic Center in Waco, Texas. Shout out to Waco. I'm not going to read the email from that one, but it's... <laughs> Why? It involves Sarah and loving and farming. <laughs> Dude, I want to hear this. Sarah, Sarah loves farming. At, at, at something.com. All right. Uh, <laughs> from VD in Baum, Alabama. A shout out to Melissa Ochu and her family. You, dude, I'm going to have you do these from now on. They are prisoners. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> they are parishioners at Cabrini. Excuse me. I know not Melissa. Prisoners. Oh, you do? I know okay. Melissa. So they are she prisoners. She makes the most incredible potato salad. They're. Oh, well, there we go. Oh, yeah. Have I ever had it? Dude, share. Come on. She hasn't right. made it again. Dude, Melissa, Who's come VD? on. Who's VD? VD in Baum, Alabama. Please come up with from, a different name. <laughs> and they are parishioners of Cabrini and are amazing for letting me stay with them when I go out there. P.S. Why do you have the name Natty Ice? That's what Father John calls me. That's what Father John calls him. I mean, Natty Ice is the... Uh, is Cheap the, beer, exactly, <laughs> and it gets you, it gets you crunked real quick, go real quick. All right, yo, VD, and Father Nathan gets you crunked real quick too. <laughs> so All right, sweet. a shout out for Sister Ellen Enright, a pastoral associate minister at Michigan Technological University. About a month ago, she celebrated the 50th anniversary of vows. Yeah, this is from Ben Hendrick 
That's the happy anniversary. Golden sister. anniversary, right? Amen. Golden. Thank you. Thank Amen. you for your witness. All right. Artesius Stivison from Catholic Threads, a small Catholic t shirt company. Send t shirts. We like t shirts. Uh, my husband Matt listens to your show every week, and after much persuading in a road trip, I'm totally hooked. Please let me know if you need a new T-shirt. Up, oh, just did. Uh, we are working on a uh, sweet Star Wars-themed T-shirt for a men's retreat that might be right up your alley. Sick. Sounds good. I'm going to go see the movie on the 26th. I'm looking forward to it. All right. Uh, to all of us listeners from the Philippines, the only Christian nation in Asia. What? <laughs> a dig, a dig. Uh, from Arvin J. Akaya, Akaya, something like that. All right, real quick, one more uh, from Mark them, folks. Chiarello. We got so much more than this. I'm Chiarello. Uh, one, Chiar- my lovely fiance oh, Christina. Chiarello. He's Italian. Chiarello. Okay, sorry, Mark. Uh, Chiarello to his lovely fiance Christina, soon to be Christina Chiarello. Uh, the Schoenstatt University men at University of Texas at Austin. Schoenstatt. Sorry, Schoenstatt. I don't know. You're doing these from now on. All right. uh, Mark Leatherman and Alex Quintana. Wait, there's a university, Schoenstatt? Yeah. Huh. Schoenstatt University. In Texas? At the University of Texas. How does that work? I don't know. Schoenstatt Movement. Maybe it was written wrong. The Schoenstatt University men at the University of Texas in Austin. Hook them. Hook them. All right. uh, Mark Leatherman and Alex Quintana involved in the making of the documentary film Seeds of a New World. Alex Gerber. Shout out to that, I guess. Uh, Life Teen and Confirmation Programs at Holy Cross Catholic Church in Bay City, Texas. Uh, That's from Mark Chiarello. So we'll stop there. Shout out. We should do more next time. I've got one on a business card that I wrote down that... uh, uh, so I went over and had a great dinner at uh, Caleb and Christy Garbus's house. They're a nice. newlywed couple from my parish. And uh, Caleb showed me some of the findings from his most recent dig. Well played. Um, but he said that he went to Tulsa, Oklahoma and met with Jeff and Trevor. And they're super fans. So I only have one on this business card. I'm sorry I couldn't fit any more. But I do have one from memory. Uh, I think we've already given him a shout-out. Steve Spaulding from upstate New York was a classmate of one Daryl Neppel at ah. West Point. And uh, he said he was more excited to meet me than he was when he met Paul McCartney. And I'm like, Lies. Wow. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, it's not like meeting Ringo or something. But uh, <laughs> thank you. So, Steve Spaulding, thanks for coming to Mass. Uh, it's really good to see you. Uh, other than that, that's all I got. All right, all. Thanks for listening. We love you. We're praying for you. Keep doing what you do. God bless you. Catholic stuff podcast at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook. Do your thing. That's right. Merry post Christmas feast, which you're doing now. Lighters. Lighters. May the force be with you. Always.